we do welcome you to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Richard Durrington, and your host, as always, is Fred. October has been a month of joy and encouragement in the celebration of our first anniversary. Our focus will change slightly. God's comfort is our intention. When our greatest need is solace, it awaits us in the Word of God. The Bible does not aggrandize the lives of biblical characters, yet they are examples of consolation in the deepest valleys of sorrow. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Here we are in day 30 of October. Our month of encouragement and comfort is almost over, if you can believe that. But here we are. Also, a very exciting thing happens at the end of October. And you guessed it, it's Reformation Day. October 31st is actually a day that changed the world more than any other secular world changer ever has. More than anybody else in the world. Because it was through the Reformation... The gospel was set free, and we've heard the gospel, and the gospel was released to the world. So I wanted to begin with just a quick review on the Reformation. Now, there are five main tenets to that, and Christians follow these tenets. Scripture alone is the first one. We look to Scripture as our guide as Christians, our only guide, our only inerrant guide, absolute guide, comes from there. We can learn from other places. But it's Scripture alone that guides our lives and leads us. Grace alone. We know we're saved by God's grace alone. No merit within ourselves. Nothing in our makeup that makes God be gracious to us. It's just pure grace. And from our side, faith alone. We trust in our faith, in who Jesus is and what he's done, and nothing else. We don't work our way to salvation. We don't augment our faith as far as our eternal destiny, by our works. And as we look and talk about being set free, what sets us free was also exemplified on this very day because Martin Luther was fighting the idea that we could shorten our time in purgatory by spending, by giving money to the church. We assert there is no purgatory, and so we're set free. If you hear hammering in the background, I'll try to cut most of it out or as much of it out as I can. And then in Christ alone, we have no other Savior, no other mechanism by which we must be saved. And lastly, for God's glory alone. He does it, again, not because he had to, but because it brings him glory. Those, then, are the five tenets of the Reformation. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and for God's glory alone. And I'm kind of liking that right now because... The Latin words sola, solus, or soli, meaning alone, by itself, are very appropriate to what we're going to be talking about today. And we talked yesterday about being a nobody, feeling like a nobody. And that's actually, I think, a good spot for us to be. But as we review a few things, did you know the name of Timothy's mother and grandmother? I don't, right off the top of my head. Do you know the name of Dwight L. Moody's grandmother? I don't at all. Do you remember the name of John Wesley's mother? 
I don't either. But what we do remember is the impact that those three men had on this world. We remember and know, or at least we've heard about the millions of people who heard and many who believed the gospel through these men. And their mothers and grandmothers prayed them into the kingdom. From our perspective, they prayed them into the kingdom. And when we slow down and ponder scriptures, ponder what the Bible says, we actually find a very large contingent of people who've never been named in the Bible, but through whom God, in his providence, used to move forward his redemptive history and his purpose for the salvation of mankind. And I've often read some of the passages, some of them that we're going to read today, and others as well. And I've prayed in pondering them, in thinking about them, meditating on them. Lord, let me be one of the unnamed servants so tasked with a small part in the spread of the gospel, the maturation of the saints, and thy glory, holy God. Okay, so maybe I didn't use the word tasked in that context, but I will from now on. I like that turn of phrase. But I have prayed just to be an unknown soldier who has some sort of impact in the spread of the gospel. I don't believe, even for a nanosecond, that any of the mothers or grandmothers that we alluded to earlier prayed for their children and their grandchildren with any thought of personal reward in mind. They just had loving hearts that desired to see the children they love, loved, saved, and in heaven. Now, the Bible says we're each given a measure of faith. And stretching that out from that quote in Romans, we know that some people are given ten talents, some people are given five, and some people, like me, are given one. But again, as the grandmothers and mothers that we've talked about, God is merciful, and there is inconceivable reward as we use whatever we have for the glory of God. He gives us the talents. He sets the good works before us, and all we need to do is walk in those good works and use the talents he's given. So we again marvel at God and his mercy, who gives us the talents, puts the good works in front of us, and then rewards us for walking in them. What a glorious God. Thank you, Jesus. And so we're going to look at some unknown people today, very quickly, and just a few of them. And the first that we want to look at is there came a time in the fullness of time, as Paul says, that the most eventful birth in history happened. And we know from the gospel record that the first people the angels told, other than Mary and her cousin, about the upcoming birth and about the birth at this moment of Jesus, who is the Christ, came to shepherds. In Luke 2.20, we read the Bible and it says, And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. And you remember that the angels came and told them what was going to happen. So they went to see, and they saw it, the birth of Christ. And they were rejoicing and praising God and actually telling other people what they witnessed. The most momentous birth in the history of all creation. And they saw it. They were witnesses and they went proclaiming all that they had seen. Neither you or I know them, don't even have a clue, not even a guess. But God does, and he has said this to them. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter 
into the joy of your master. How we long to hear that, knowing that's our reward. Thank you, Jesus. We move now from the most momentous birth in the history of mankind to the most momentous entry in the history of mankind. And I didn't think about this until just now, but when we watch a football game or we watch a basketball game, we see fanfare, we see flags, we see people waving smoke and fireworks as the team runs onto the field. None of that compares to Jesus entering Jerusalem in the flesh for the last time. And as Jesus is preparing to enter Jerusalem, he tells some of his disciples, go into the city, you're going to find a donkey. He's all secure and tied up. He belongs to somebody else. But you get him, untie him, and bring him back to me, and I'll ride him into the city. And if anybody says anything, just tell them I need it. So they go into the city. And in Mark 11:5 we read this. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, as they were untying the colt, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they spoke to them, just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. We don't know who those bystanders were. And then he told two of his disciples, well, let's read this. This is Mark eleven thirteen, And Jesus, that's who we're talking about, sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where's my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready, and prepare for us there. The disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. It's kind of fun. It's kind of amazing to me. Until this very minute, I didn't recognize that there were two unknown servants in this little passage, aren't there? We have the man carrying the water. We don't know who he is. And then we have the owner of the house. And we don't know who he is. But both of them brought Jesus, or helped bring Jesus, the upper room and the last Passover. And some of the most profound teaching that flowed from that room in all of Scripture. And we don't know their names. That night, that preparatory night, was on the eve of the most consequential event ever for mankind. And it was facilitated by the owner of a donkey, by a random man carrying water, and a homeowner who gave his upper room for Jesus and his disciples. And we don't know them at all, but God does. And they have also heard, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. I would venture to guess they didn't have very much. A donkey may have been the only donkey that man owned. The man with the pitcher actually didn't own anything, except maybe the pitcher he was carrying. And I would bet that that man's house and its upper chamber was his most precious prize. But we look at it as not very much, don't we? But God doesn't. And then one of my favorite chapters, and this is also in Mark 9, and it's a father who came to Jesus with a son who had unimaginable pain that was actually came from the focus of God's enemy. Not any accident, not any tragedy, 
but from the express purpose of one of the devil's demons. And the boy's father said, Your disciples can't heal him. And Jesus said, Bring the boy to me. And we read in 20 through 22. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began to roll about, foaming at the mouth. He asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And then he went on to say, And it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And this next verse I have used, I don't know how many, hundreds of times in my life. Immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe, help thou my unbelief. Jesus then turns to the boy, rebukes the demon, and heals the boy, heals the young man. And this passage gives me and you, all of us, the great comfort and hope knowing that Jesus truly does hear the cry of our broken and contrite hearts. That father was at the end. And neither you or I have any earthly idea of who that man was, not even his name. But glory to God when we have our heavenly view, our heavenly viewpoint. We will know his name. We will know his face. And we will know that he also heard, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And that's our comfort today. Our hurting and our pain have eternal reward as we seek to serve in that pain and that hurting, as we seek to serve God unheralded and unknown, and we desire to do what God has set before us. My fellow unknown soldiers, when we pray and we act and give and love with no thought of acknowledgement or reward, we can be assured that in God's will and his wisdom, what we've done carry an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. We can't even imagine. And we know from our inner man as we hear well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, but I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Our redeemed souls, our new inner man, can't help but rejoice and long for that day. If for no other reason, we ought to have the mindset to give our eternal, immortal, all-powerful God one more day. We want to see what he has planned for us. We want to see the good works that he has laid out before us. Thank you for listening on my face. I pray before God that these have had an impact in your life for comfort from God. We have one more day of October, but as I said, we will revisit these times of comfort. Until tomorrow then, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you 
And may all his person and all his promises give us the peace that we need. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.